Hello, Reply Guys, Reply Guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show this week. We know that everybody has a lot going on. I wanted to let you know that the audio in our first interview can be a little choppy at times. We were having some Zoom and internet problems, but we still really wanted to include it because we think it was a great conversation. We hope everybody is staying safe and that you enjoy the show. Eat the rich. Neolibs are a bitch. Medicare for all. Bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to reply guys the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us uh what a week we are uh we're doing something a little different today instead of just a regular intro where kate and i like shoot the shit and talk about the week's events um we have have brought on a guest uh, to talk about s- some of the things that are, are going on here in New York right now. And um, and we're really excited to have him. Uh, he is a law student here in New York at CUNY Law School and an activist, uh, Darren Martin. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming on the show. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> so, Thank you all for having me. Um, I... I saw yesterday, um, I was looking at your posts and you were trapped on the Manhattan Bridge when the police uh, kettled, I think around like 5,000 protesters, yeah? Something like that. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, no, so it was kind of wild, right? So uh, we, (laughs) so we were at, we were at, we started at Barclays Center and me walking down towards the uh, uh, downtown area and I saw the bridge in the back in the background I'm like this is clearly this is obviously where we're gonna go but it was weird because I couldn't see anybody on the actual bridge all you saw was like the lights down here so they probably like, they probably have some sort of a, uh, a barricade or something down at, at that end so we started making our way down and all the cops were lined up at the main entrance and within there was like a, an off-ramp that apparently they didn't realize even though they're the NYPD and they they're supposed to know every single street and everything like that they had that part so climbing <laughs> up it and onto the onto the off ramp or the on ramp and then oh you look to the right and it was like a, like just like a whole thing of uh cops like running at running after us and they look mad too like you could tell like oh shit they didn't we didn't know that you know they they outsmarted us you know they got ahead and and, and so so we started calling out like hi everybody this is like it was still like you know a little bit after like eight something eight fifteen we had just started moving and then um and then the we called out for the white so the white uh for the white people to come stand in the front we need allies in the front right because mm-hmm. the thing is a lot of times when they see the cops are coming to the front line and they see if it's a line of black people they're not it's gonna that's you know what's another day at the park right so right. they're gonna do what they do but if they see that it's mostly if it's mostly white people yeah right now they kind of agitated so y'all are gonna get y'all been taking some hits and that's great and y'all you know you know you're gonna get it's not gonna be as you don't get as you know messed up as it would have been i don't know if i could curse on y'all show i don't know if you're gonna get as fucked it i don't know if you can get as fucked up as we would have been 
when we're, you know, when we're trying to come over. So, so really quick, the cops came over and then y'all actually formed a line, which is great. Y'all, well, the white, the white people, they formed the line and they stood up. And so we started making our way onto the, onto the, onto the bridge, see the skyline in Manhattan and, you know, people in the cars are playing music. Uh, we started making it towards Manhattan. Now it's starting to get dark. By the time we get to the Manhattan side, it's a little darker now. So we get to the Manhattan side and then there it was, they were blocking us off. There was a whole line of cops, a couple layers deep of them on that side. There were a couple layers deep on the other side too. There was a, they make three different entrances. And then there were some side parts too, where like you had a couple people getting off and trying to like, like run into the city. But I was like, nah, yo, if you're going to go, you got to go, you know, with someone because they're going to they're find, they're going to get you like they're around here and they're going to take your ass to jail. Um, Spider-Man was there with us. You I know. saw that. Incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. I asked him to, you know, I'm like, yo, go fight the cops, man. Like, this, the Green Goblin ain't got nothing on you, on them. On the, but apparently, you know, but, you know, he was just standing with us at that time. Um, but, uh, you all see in Spider-Man shows, like, where he, like, takes one cop with, like, a web and throws him against the wall or something. Like, yo, you could do that. And, like, yeah, Spider-Man, do your like, job. Yeah. You have one job. He didn't do his job. That's all he had to do. But so we were there standing up and um, we were actually there. We started, it started becoming, it, the group started kind of dissipating a little bit because one, you would start seeing a couple of the different protesters like walking back by themselves. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, don't walk back. Like, why would you walk back across the bridge? And you can look at the bridge too. It's dark, right? It's dark and it's like ominous looking. I was like, we're gonna, I don't know what's going to happen. And then after we're sitting down there for a while, we said a couple chants, you know, um, we said, you know, we salute obviously George Floyd, rest in peace. But it's after like an hour and a half that they, they were not going to let us uh, through. And so we started thinking like, all right, wait, it, it kind of felt like there was going to be people starting to get restless. And as the group was kind of thinning out, I'm like, yo, we have to, uh, either we're going to stay here. There's basically three things we could have done. You stayed there, which is, I was like, wait, we could stay here until 5am. Um, and then you had some people who were still just waiting and actually thinking the cops were going to like let us into Manhattan. Like, why would they let us into Manhattan? Um, make up people in middle trying to figure out what, uh, how to get everyone involved, together because we knew that it was going to be, if it's half of us on this side and half of us on the other side, that's that's easy work, right? So let's get the whole big group together. So we, um, I started walking back with the Brooklyn people. Now at that point, now they were starting. We were starting to see cops were sending like uh, buses towards us, right? Like I don't know if they were trying to intimidate us with that, or, you know, what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think they were ready to take everybody, and they were trying to figure out the best strategy how to take to take most people. Because I would always say like, now like, people say, like, oh, well, they can't take all of us. They can't take all of us. They can. I mean, if it's, if it's, um, and I say that in a way that it's NYPD, like you can't sleep on them. And they had already divided the group quite a bit, uh, because there was like only a portion of the protesters made it across the bridge. I saw, I was yesterday, I was kind of more towards the back end and I, I saw, I thought that they had blocked everyone off. And then I, I saw your tweet that some people got across. Um, yeah. but you know, they had already, that's a big tactic that they use, right? Like separating yeah. people because it makes it, you know, the smaller the group is, the easier it is for them to, uh, harass exactly. and arrest and be violent towards everyone. So then, exactly. um, so then, then what happens? And so back to the bridge. So we get on the bridge, we're on the bridge. Like you said, you know, they were trying to break us up. And so I'm like, this is definitely going to be a real easy breakup strategy. But as we started moving towards Brooklyn, like, close to, towards Brooklyn, there was, uh, we started yelling at the people to come back and they started listening because the group was sitting out. So if you stay back on the Manhattan side by yourself, 
you know, and there's 150 cops just, just in that one little part, you're going to, you know, it's, it's a wrap. So, um, and the, the vans and the wagons are right there. Let's go. So we kept moving and then we were trying to get everybody to slow down. I'm yelling, yelling, people slow down. So I just ran ahead to the front. There was a medium part and I had to like, like jet to the, to the front part of it. And yo, slow down. The people in the back are going to, are going to join us so we can all come together. Right. And then a couple people rolled up on their bikes and then got up and, you know, started motivating everybody. We started cheering like, yeah, we're going to all walk back together. And it was a dope, it was a dope atmosphere and a dope, like, uh, you know, feeling like, yo, we're all together. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what everybody's felt like this entire time. But I think we were literally all on that one bridge together. And so we were like, all right, what do we, because we were all acting joyous and this and that, but I think in the back of our minds, this is in the back of my mind, like, oh shit, we're really, in a, this could be bad. And that's what I was telling people too, that, that I was, you know, you know, when I got made it to the front and I was talking to some of the other people that were walking, I was like, yo, I think, you know, this is, we don't know what's coming up ahead. Right. So all I could think about was, uh, yeah, I mean, we started moving forward and then they're going to come trap us in the back. Right. Boom. Traps in the back. I, left and right, that's jumping into the East River, right? And so I was like, shit, you know, they could really come in and, and then, like, throw their, you know, do their do their um, tear gas, you know what I mean, uh, rubber bullets and everything like that. Any kind of bullets you really, if you think about it, they could want to use because it kind of felt like there's no man's land out there in the middle of the bridge. They probably got cameras up there. I'm sure they do. This guy that I was next to, he was like, yo, let's start the hatch. So he, we were all concerned about that. So he's like, let's just get it to trend off the bridge. Towards the end of the bridge, it became a it was it was trending and it was a thing. Um, cause I think that's when people started picking it up and saying like, Oh, you know, there's a whole mass of people and, and NYPD's mm -hmm. fucking with them. We get the mayor and the NYPD like pay attention to shit and, and, and tell them to come off. Um, and I think even AOC had tweeted something that saying that she was going to come down and, uh, I think she tweeted yeah. it three minutes after they released you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, Oh, and all the tweets were like AOC, the rescue areas. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about well, all that, but, um, she was, but she still was looking out though. Right. And that's why. You know, shouts to AOC, you know, she's in my um, other sister from the Bronx, right? So shouts to AOC. And she was coming down and um and and that's and that's kinda what you gotta do, right? If if you as a as a real uh representative, you gotta come down there and like, you see what's good. But no, nah, we were out there by ourselves and so we're walking and then we see two there's a so we see two like the lights starting to come towards us. But straight ahead we can't see anything because it's like a curve on the bridge, so we don't know what's on the other side yet. We know there's cops, but we didn't know if anyone was going to come rolling up on us just like at the last minute. And so there you see the, uh, there's like a, what drove up was a two corrections car, the corrections car and the corrections van, or I'm sorry, uh, bus, like ready to take us in. And so we all stopped. And there's like a chopper video, a news for chopper video that shows us kind of like getting to that point. And um, the reporter guy says something funny. And he's like, yeah, what are you guys going like, to, what are they telling them to turn around? we kind of made it over this curb so we could see like the lights and stuff at the end. It's like shit. Right. Um, I said, that's what it is. That's what it is. And so, but there were like, like a lot of helicopters by that point. So I'm like, you know, they have to be talking. Somebody has to be seeing this to make sure that they're not going to really fuck with us, but you really never know. And so, yes, yeah, so we started coming on them and I had one guy in my ear. It's like, yo, let's, let's line up and let's do like a, uh, let's do a straight, you know, um, like 300 type shit, you know, 
on them. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but I don't really know what, I don't really know what's behind there. And then second of all, you know how it is when we say allies to the front, like five people will go up. You think if we say, oh yeah, we're going to go charge the NYPD from the bridge. Yeah. You know, like that's what, that's what it is. Like, no, nah, it's going to be you and me. And like, I don't even know where Spider-Man went. Like, I don't know what he took. He was there for, he took some pictures. Oh, and come on. Yeah, just there for the photo op. Come on. Yeah, what kind of superhero was, is he if he's not going to charge the NYPD? So, yeah. You got to no, do something, no man. That's what I'm saying. That's mine. A- yeah. You ended up talking and negotiating the yeah. release of people almost like you were, you were negotiating a hostage situation is what your story reminded me of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it was <laughs> so... We're walking towards the uh, we're walking towards the end now. We just had to be we just had to remind each other like yo while we're while we're out here, you know what I mean? Because uh, you know, um, all I mean from even for myself, like all I could think about like as I was on the bridge, I was like like Edmund Pettus Bridge on Bloody Sunday, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And 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 um, uh, where where you had protesters, you know, uh, marching with Dr. King and, and marching with uh, marching marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge that got beat down and John Lewis and, you know, people like that. And you had those pictures and I was like, yo, this could be that, right? And they had, and they were like rushing people back on the bridge, but this could be that on the Manhattan bridge at nighttime with a thousand people with NYPD in this environment. Does the city really want this look right now? I don't know. So I knew that like, yo, I knew it was a big deal. And I knew like the mayor's probably, I don't know if he was watching it. He was telling people what to do, but you know, at that point, um, we knew it was going to be some, it was, something was going to go down and we went down there, but we were, so we just started marching and at that point, you know, it was just like, move forward, move forward. And, um, then one of the messengers on the bike came back and he's like, all right, well, uh, we need, he's like, they say they need two people. Right. And so, um, they were looking at me. So I was like, uh, I mean, and so it was me and that girl in the red shirt. And so they're like, Ron, you guys just go, this would be me and her, and then and then him. We needed a white guy to come with us for, for, uh, for support. So we started moving, and then there's like three, so this guy behind us that had a stick, same dude I was talking about before, he just out of nowhere starts, like, he runs past us, get a hit on them, and they, like, beat his ass with the, with the batons and everything that they had, Jesus. and then, you know, uh, and then threw him in the, uh, took him back. And um, we were like, oh shit, and, you know, we had our hands up anyways, but they were now, they were like, they were really upset, you know what I'm saying? And they were trying to, they were like, yo, just get back, get back, get back. And I'm like, no, no, we're here to make, we're here to talk about getting on the, getting home, right? Y'all said you needed somebody to talk to, it was me and her and him. So let's go. So I stepped forward to the guy and he's like, all right, so um, I, I'm so mad at myself. I didn't get it. I didn't, there was a guy next to me who was recording it. He says, I don't know if he, I, don't, I haven't got his information or anything like that. So I, don't, I haven't seen it, but Basically, um, and it's funny too because I was like, I always, inter- I always record my interactions with the cops. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I will record my interactions with the cops. And this was like a major interaction that I was having with the cops, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't record it. So, um, you know, so we saw, so I was like, look, we've been out here, you know, peacefully protesting. We didn't do anything. We went to the other side of Manhattan. You know, uh, you guys didn't let us in. Right. We have our city. We have a right to be here. But you guys, you know, y'all didn't let us in. Well, you guys were on the curfew. I'm like, well, no, nah, you know, that curfew is ridiculous. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to spring a curfew on us at the last minute and expect us to be, especially right now that everything's going on? That, that doesn't make any sense. And I was about yeah. to go in. And I was like, oh, shit. I, took, I was about to go. No, I was about to go in. But then I was like, nah, because he's a red. He's, he was like mad. His face was getting red. And I was like looking behind me. I'm like, oh, shit, we want to get off. Right. So I'm like, look, man, 
we, you know what I mean? Um, and then, and that's the last thing I said was like, you know, that we, that's your, this whole thing that you're pulling on us right now, telling us we need to be home or we need to, you know, be, we can't be out. And these laws that you guys are always putting on us and enforcing violently, like you guys are ready to do right now, is why we're out here protesting. So you guys are just sort of going in the loop right now. So you're not, it's a good, it's a bad look for y'all. Just let us, I mean, let us go home and, um, you know, we'll stay on the sidewalks, but you know, you can't, this is all of us here. Like, well, you know, I'm supposed to make some arrests, right? I'm like, what are you going to arrest us for? We're not, like, I, and I repeat the same shit I said before. I'm like, you know, we're not, you know, doing anything wrong. Like, we've been completely peaceful and it's just a, it's a bad look and, you know, you have to honor and respect what we're, while we're out here. And he's like, well, we'll get to check it out. Anybody who, you know, um, causes any shit uh, on the way home, if they're not, if they're in the street and not on the sidewalk, then I'm, uh, you know, we're going to arrest them. And so I asked for the, I asked, for, I took a mic, the, the megaphone, and I was like, I, right, you know, uh, I turned around to the group. I'm like, all right, so we've been granted release to get off. Not, not granted release. I'm like, they let, I'm like, we're, we're allowed to go home, some shit, something like that. And everybody stopped and we're cheering, like, yeah, 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 we got it. Because it was like over. two hours at and, that point, right? That they had held everyone? Yeah, because it was like, I think on the, on the Brooklyn side, I mean, on the Manhattan side, we were sitting there for like an hour and a half. But the part from walking back from Brooklyn, I mean, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, that was a, maybe about another hour. So I would, I would really say like two and a half maybe because and, yeah, the whole walking back process, yeah. I can imagine that there are some people that really had to pee in that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything else. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you're on top of that, like, you're like, you know. Yeah, you got your nerves and everything like that, and that's that's the thing about nerves. It'll make you want to pee or make you like not want to pee at all. I'm in the second. I'm in the second camp. If I'm like nervous, or not nervous, but like if I'm like my adrenaline is hot, like I'm not really thinking about what I have to go. That's very. Talk more about. I gotta say, that's very lucky. I am the opposite, opposite. and I every time I have ever gone to a a march or a protest, um, I feel very embarrassed because that is my. That's my number one weakness at a protest is that I immediately have to pee always. <laughs> at the minute, at the minute. So that's, that's, I, that's, a, that's a terrible problem to have. Uh, <laughs> I don't, um, <laughs> I, I was going to say bring a bag, but that's not, you know. Um, Unfortunately, that's just, you know, it's just something that I have to. Yeah. It's a little you bit You can harder. cause a lot of shit. You can cause a lot of shit and then like, you know, go to the front. Yeah. Go to the front and get arrested and then they take you down, you know, they take you downtown and you just use the bathroom there. I mean, Actually, that's, that's yeah, the someone, best way to go. Someone was uh, recommending that that if uh, someone on Twitter was talking about that about how you uh, like if you happen to get arrested and are in the back of the cop car peeing in the cop car is a viable issue and they have to clean it and it can because of COVID and everything they yeah. can, it, it it takes a, it takes a cop car out of commission for a few days. That's so funny. yeah. There you go. See, just, just a hot tip for everyone who has a weak bladder, like oh me. yeah, I'll do it. I, yeah, I I was thinking too, just like you know, uh, I mean, it's the way that they had you um, kettled, which is the term for when you know you have your a group of protesters fully surrounded by police and they're not letting anyone move like you know social yeah. distancing nearly impossible in, in that situation yeah i mean the marches it seems like you know people kind of kept a little bit of distance from each other but yeah. um you know when everyone was kind of crammed in that's that seems a lot harder and you know just i mean it's just like 
there's just a such you know in addition to everything else there's just such a, a blatant disregard for pandemic safety i see the cops not wearing masks all the protesters yeah. are wearing masks like yeah. yeah yeah i mean and you know just you know putting people uh you know in 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 jail a bunch of people all in you know a small space and it's just it's it's just in addition to everything else uh it's it's really really fucked up um to you know this these protests are about the fact that um black people are being killed and hurt by police and then coronavirus is also disproportionately affecting black people yeah. and they're yeah. disregarding yeah. that even yeah. more you know and yeah. it's just it's just a mountain of things and including like tear yeah. gas which makes you more likely they think maybe to get the coronavirus um yeah. so yeah i just it's it's such Doesn't a it's such a shitty situation but i don't know i'm just i, I really appreciate you coming on and and telling us your story and we're so glad that you oh, yeah, no got doubt. off the bridge safely um I, uh, any other kind of like last things you would like to, uh, share with our listeners? Yeah, no, I was going to say what you said. I mean, uh, the, the thing about COVID, right. Cause somebody had asked about that too. They were like, well, what about the fact that, you know, and I kind of, I didn't forget, but I, you know, it's kind of like you when you're out there, like, you know, coronavirus, that kind of comes from too, because we, you know, the dealing with, you know, rights, right supremacy you know what I'm saying, for the last 400 years is not, you know what I'm saying, pales in comparison to the last four months, you know, of people who've died, you know, over COVID-19. I'm not being flippant about it either because of the fact that my mom, she had coronavirus and she was, she's an essential worker. She was in the hospital. She's actually in the, she was in the hospital for a minute on oxygen and everything. Mm. You know, thankfully she made it out. But, uh, and people of color, I should say, especially, you know, you look in New York, who got to leave and who has to stay and who has to go on the train and things like that, you know? Um, and then you look at what were, you know, the death of George Floyd, rest in peace. You know, today we, the cops have so much, the, especially NYPD, they have so much money, right. That, and they have so much resources. So the, the two things are not disconnected, but I've also been, you know, I've also been racially profiled. I've had a white woman call the police on me, you know, when I was moving into, moving into my apartment, and she said that I was an armed robber and I had 12 cops come and, you know, um, hold me in the, in, in the, in the, in the, in the vestibule of my apartment, asking me for ID. Right. And then, um, luckily they weren't that trigger happy, but then the ones who were trigger happy was, you know, Amadou Diallo when he got laid out in his, in his vestibule of his apartment in the Bronx mm-hmm. and got shot 41 times. So, um, it affects me and I know, I know the way it's connected. And so, as important as it is for me to see, you know, people like my mom not have to worry about who does, you know, not having health care and having to, you know, deal with all those issues. It's also as important for me to make sure that my four nephews right now who black coming up, you know, young, that they don't have to, you know, deal with uh, the issue of police brutality. So, um, again, underlying both of those things is white supremacy. And I think we're talking about that. And I think people, you know, this is sustained. It's been dope to see that sustained movement of people talking over the last couple of days. Um, and also making the connections, like I just mentioned, that those things are all, are all connected. And I think, you know, the, the choice is just whether, you know, how you're going to get involved. And for me, um, I had to think about, I had to make that decision of like, all right, well, you can, you know, you got to worry about the coronavirus issue, but 
you can be safe with it too. Like I'm not coming back home to my mom, you know, uh, or even interacting with people to, you know, put them at risk. I would encourage everyone who goes to the the protest uh, to, especially if you're white, to wear your masks and make sure that you're being um, kind of as conscientious as possible. Mm-hmm. Because as we've been discussing, uh, the coronavirus has disproportionately affected black communities and uh, there's no need to kind of doubly put our our, our black brothers and sisters uh, in harm's way uh, in at a protest. And I would also encourage everybody after, um, you know, there are going to be a lot of protests this week. I plan to go to, I've already gone yeah. to two. I plan to go to some more, but I also plan to get tested for coronavirus after, after this as well, because mm, it's been the yeah. most sustained um, kind of, period i've had and a lot of us have had of close contact with other people so yeah that's um, true there are a lot of ways to stay safe and i i encourage uh all of all of our listeners to to really make sure that you are um taking the proper precautions there's a lot of guidelines and things like that online that you can look up for how to be how to be safe at a protest in the time of coronavirus um but definitely yeah. definitely Darren, this has been such a cool conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank Uh, you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. Up next, we have uh, an interview with Jabari Brisport. Uh, We're so excited about his campaign. Um, So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Just listen to Reply Guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. This week we are joined by Jabari Brisport. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jabari. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Julia. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to see you. We are so excited uh, to have you on the show. Uh, we we've been talking to a lot of people running running for office all around the country, and I love I I always love having someone on from our our own backyard. Um, Jabari is running for state Senate in District 25 in New York. Um, and usually when we when we start out talking to different folks running for office, we just like to say, tell us a little bit about your district. Okay. So the 25th State Senate District in New York is a huge district um, representing around 300,000 people. It's the size of a you know, small city <laughs> that you would see in other, other parts of the country. It is an extremely diverse district. It stretches from areas in central Brooklyn like um, uh, Bed-Stuy and Northern Crown Heights, heavily black or Afro-Caribbean neighborhoods, to um, more gentrified or wider upper areas like uh, Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, um, downtown Brooklyn, Borum Hill, and then heavily Latinx communities like in Red Hook and uh, Sunset Park. And also includes my uh, my home, uh, Prospect Heights, where my family's been for three generations. So it's an extremely diverse district, huge, 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 huge. Um, lots of disparities, but really aligned on issues that are facing all of us, which are an affordable housing crisis, um, a lack of investment in education, and right now, very severely underfunding in our medical system. And you're you're currently a public school teacher, is that right? Yes, I'm a public school teacher. I love my kids. I teach middle school math at a public school in Crown Heights called McGarvis Prep. I teach sixth and seventh graders. Um, they are so adorable, um, so sweet. <laughs> um, and it's been, you know, it's been really interesting uh, teaching them during the, the the pandemic. You know, I've um, had a chance to see some really cool sides of them. Uh, I want to say the very first day 
of teaching them. Uh, I met one of my kids' dogs. His name is Pepsi, and he's adorable. Um, <laughs> I have seen um, some of my sister girls. They are just wearing shower caps because they got their hair just done, or their mom did their hair, and uh, you know they didn't want to take it off. Um, and then I've also, you know, seen the darker side, which is like, you know, a house that is not really conducive to learning. It's extremely noisy or very crowded or there's everyone's on top of each other. Um, uh, and then I've also, you know, in terms of what I haven't seen, yeah, there are some students I haven't seen since the lockdown began uh, over two months ago. And, you know, the numbers we have for their parents don't work and there's no really way for me to know where they are. And all I can do is hope that they're OK right now. That's got to be so stressful, I would imagine, because, I mean, I'm sure that these are kids that you really care about and to just not be able to check in with them or see them or know what's going on is just probably very stressful for you and so many other teachers right now. Yeah, you know, they legit had me in tears this morning. I had to take the video off um, during class that I want them to see me like welling up. But like, I just I wanted to give them space to debrief from what happened this weekend with all the, the riots and protests. And like, you know, they were sharing stuff, you know, I'm scared about this. I'm, I'm scared about that. And then the one kid was like straight up one of my sixth grade boys was like, I'm worried that like, you never know when this all comes when this is all done. And like, if we go back to like real school, physical school, and like, I'm on the train, like, I'm worried about a cop pulling me over to the side and saying I have a gun and accusing me of a gun. And I don't carry guns. And like, I'm really, he's really nervous about that. And I just, I just wanted to cry because like, I can't imagine being an 11 year old boy worried that the cops are going to harass you or assault you um, just by on your way to school of all places. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I went to one of the marches yesterday and I saw a little boy that was maybe. I don't know. I don't know how old he was, but he looked like he was seven or eight, tiny, tiny. Mm -hmm. And he had made himself a sign. It was a little kid's handwriting that said, am I next? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was just so heartbreaking. And I, it was really making me mad to see so many people online just talk about, you know, oh, this is like, you know, being a this is like all kind of white anarchists or people from, you know, like who are uh, influenced by Russian memes or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the protest this weekend, it really felt like it was, um, you know, a, a lot of people from the community who are deeply invested in the health and safety of the community. And then the cops showing up and doing violence for no reason. <laughs> That's what I observed with my own eyes the other day. Yeah, I saw a ton of videos on um, people getting sprayed for no reason. I, I don't know if everyone listening saw There's one video in particular where this guy, this, this, young, this young man, he has his hands literally up and a cop goes up to him, pulls the, the man's face mask down and sprays him in the face. And it was really effed up. Like it, it was such an egregious um, display of just power, corrupted power um, that they knew they could wield. Um, and it's really distressing to see the way that this is being handled across the country. It's super distressing. And I saw yesterday or maybe the day before de Blasio was tweeting that, um, you know, it it's understandable that the cops ran over the protesters. Um, that happened, I think, a few blocks from my house on, I think, like St. Mark's and Flatbush. There were it was a, a cop car that just plowed into people. It may have happened some other places, too. I don't know. But he was defending that. And I think you, in response to his support for, uh, you know, the police being violent, you 
said that he should either resign or be replaced, which I thought was awesome. You don't see very many people running for office who are willing to like call for, you know, a Democratic mayor's resignation. Um, Can you say a little bit more about like how you feel New York is handling this wrong and how you would want to change the way that things are handled if you're elected to office? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with just de Blasio and why he needs to stand up to the NYPD. I mean, they work for him. Like, he does not work for them. They, they work for yeah. him. He is their boss. Um, if he says jump, they have to say how high. That That's how the power structure works. And um, I just remember there was this, you know, one day where, you know, there had been um, – there are actually two, two police that were, that were killed in their cars a few years ago, and the police blamed de Blasio and said he hadn't done enough to, like, stem the, the you know, the, 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 the terrorists, you know, Black Lives Matter movement, whatever. And this was all the, the de Blasio's fault. And they all, like, at the funeral, they all turned their backs on him. And I, I guess that was the worst thing for de Blasio. He felt like he had really done the police officers wrong. Um, and the amount of power that they, that they hold over him in that way, where they, they can influence him when really, like, he is their boss. He could have fired every cop that decided to turn their back on him um, that day, then and there. But instead, he capitulates to them. And what we have right now is uh, a situation where he's like afraid to call them out for, you know, being the murderers they are, being the bullies they are um, in the midst of all this, being you know absolute failures to deescalate. Um, he's not doing his job. And if he's not if he's not doing his job, the people that work for him, um, these cops, um, kind of do their job. They're an extension of him and his, his administration. Um, I'm also just mad about the way they're funded. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, he's there proposing cuts to um, education, cuts across the board. So a bunch of things for working class people in the midst of, you know, um, the pandemic, you know, with, you know, this loss of tax revenue and, um, I know a lot of people were up in arms against the cutting, specifically of this this one program. It's called um, SYEP. It's the Summer Youth Employment Program, and it's an awesome, awesome summer jobs program that has around 75,000 like teenagers, predominantly black and brown kids that are getting a good job for the summer and have more money in their pockets. And also some of them, you know, help support their families like that. And you're about to cut the whole thing um, because of, you know, uh, COVID and, you know, failure to like redesign the, the um you know, the, uh, the the nature of the jobs. But why I was so, like, hypocritical is that he barely made any cuts to the NYPD budget. So in the midst of cutting things like education, cutting, like, you know, jobs for kids uh, who just want to get out and work, um, he's busy cutting that and not money for the NYPD, which is why, you know, I'm calling for them to be defunded. Um, I know there are several other uh, electeds um, looking into it or people that are running for office calling for them to be defunded because it is, like, an extremely powerful gang. They have a ton of money, they have billions of dollars, in their budget. We are an over-policed city, um, over-militarized, and, you know, we don't need any more money for their fancy toys and gadgets. They had drones flying around over the uh, protests yesterday and helicopters for a, a protest, like a, a, a peaceful assembly. It was really, it was really ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and they've just been beating people you know like i live near atlantic barclays and they were just beating up a bunch of people last night and tear gassing people and you know this is a safe neighborhood and the police Mm -hmm. are the ones making it dangerous 
I've been watching all of de Blasio's statements about the kind of escalating violence with the NYPD, and it does strike me that he is afraid of them. Um, and that can't be the, as you said, that can't be the dynamic between a mayor and his own police force. We can't have a mayor who is afraid to stand up to the city's police force. And this is also a man who has a black wife and two black children. And his own daughter, Kiara, was just arrested. And the NYPD yep. doxed her. Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know how... I mean, if 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 de Blasio is not standing up to the NYPD after, after that... After they enter his own home in a in a certain way we can't trust him to be to be a leader for this city mayor of new york is one of the most influential important jobs in the world <laughs> oh boy i'm so i it's it's so frustrating because you know we have this perpetual pissing contest between yeah. Cuomo and de Blasio yeah. that's been going on for so long. And Cuomo is more, you know, a lot of people see him as being more quote unquote competent just because he's able to do put more things in place, but he's more of a He's much more of a centrist. Yeah. And then you have de Blasio who is allegedly ideologically further to the, the left, but a com- completely ineffectual <clears throat> leader who doesn't do anything. So we're we're having a real problem here. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think that why is de Blasio so scared of the NYPD? I mean, you know, he's it's it, what what do they have on him? You know, like what what can they do to him? You know, I I don't know. It's a, it's a real question. Like how how why why is he deferring to them instead of the other way around? I wish I knew. I mean, I don't know what is going on behind the scenes or why he has such cowardice when it comes to them. I mean, they need to understand that he is their boss and he can fire them. Yeah. He can fire all 30 plus thousand of them tomorrow if he wants. Um, and they don't have that fear in them. They don't have the fear that they, 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 they know the dynamic. They know that they run this city. They know that they won't be reprimanded by the mayor. Yeah. Um, and they act as such. And we're seeing them act that way. Yeah, not to be a total lib about it, but I am starting to wonder if there's some kind of pee pee tape or something like that because I just <laughs> I cannot wrap my mind around this level of cowardice. Like, yeah. Well, I understand. You know, the only you know when you have a police force of this size and magnitude, and also a militarized police force in a lot of ways, it's it's hard because we every city and town has their own police department and as much as we want to like paint a, a lot of times paint with broad strokes about like american police it is really like the oversight happens at a district by district basis really and i think what's happened here in New York is that we've essentially given the police a blank check because they have all the money in the world and they have almost no oversight. And that, and you know, a a lot of people are talking about that 50 a provision now, which seals police records um, for, you know, officer misconduct and things like that. And 
repealing that. That would be a great start. But overall, we need more community oversights and we need the police to remember that they serve the community, not the other way around. And that the police should be afraid of losing the public's trust. Mm -hmm. And they're not if in, in, in New York here, here anyways, if you, you know, have gone to any of the protests, seen any of the, the videos of these large militarized police departments, they don't, they don't seem to remember that part of their their doctrine that they sign up for when they become a police a police officer. Yeah, I mean, um, I it you know I saw people this weekend with uh, police officers with like their badges covered and like um, you know no masks in some cases or masks over their entire face so that they could not be identified and it's like oh mm-hmm. Jesus Christ what do you plan on doing you know but. You know, it's just, um, yeah, it's re- and it's yeah. it's I mean, the- covering your badge. Yeah. Covering your badge is illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your badge number. Yeah, I mean, they, what were you going to say? I was going to say like they sprayed like elected officials. I mean, this this weekend it was you know Assemblywoman Diana, some of my favorites too. So it was like extra painful. But Assemblywoman Diana Richardson, pepper sprayed in the face. Uh, you know, State Senator Zona Myrie in the face on Saturday. Just like complete disregard for anyone or anyone. They were, then there were just two other black people in the crowd that they were fine to um, you know harass and upset and uh, truly like. Um, it's really upsetting to see the callous disregard for like, you know, human life. And I, I also just wanted to say like, you know, just still ragging on the Blasio, I can just see over and over again in this pandemic, like his, him finally re- realizing the scope of his job. Like, you know, like this is a big city. This is big stuff. And I just remember like back when the, um, when we were trying to get the school shut down to stop the spread of COVID-19, his big thing was like, oh, man, it's going to be so hard. You know, we got to really think there's, there's, you know, this is the biggest, you know, district in the school district in the country. It's a million kids. It's this, it's that. And like, it was all true, but it was no reason to keep the schools open. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's it's still a huge, huge district. But, um, you know, we all knew they were going to come down at some point, but he was waiting till the last moment. And I, I just it just seems like he's doing that again with uh you know the police you know it, it being you know this is for sure it's the largest police force but it's like you still have to keep them in check and still manage it absolutely and you know to your point earlier he is their boss you know the i'm i'm originally from from boston and i saw that mayor marty walsh hasn't i don't think he's capitulated to the degree that de blasio has to the the boston police department but certainly Everyone is very afraid of at all offending the police department at the expense of people in the community who are being hurt and sometimes killed by these police departments. What I want to say about this is that it's not difficult to boot police officers who have records of misconduct, who have records of domestic violence, who have had personal infractions that make them unfit to serve their community. And honestly, we wouldn't think twice about it in, in situations like being a teacher. We, those teachers get fired for less. 
Oh my and God. teachers don't teachers don't have guns. Uh, well, I mean, not all of them. Uh, I know that's been a real <laughs> subject of contention over the past few years. So you know, Betsy, if Betsy DeVos has her way, yeah. then certainly they will have guns. But um, but no, it's it, what I mean by it's it's not hard to to fire these these police officers mm-hmm. is that it is a conscious choice by administrations at the local state level city level not to enforce um these regulations and a con by making that conscious choice you're endangering your constituents point blank full stop it's I'm I think a lot of people are just very tired of the the cowardice that people like Bill de Blasio and you know the mayor of Los Angeles um have exhibited in a time of total crisis in their in their cities. I think that's a really I just I love that parallel of comparing it to teachers um but one because anytime you talk about teachers, you know, I'm like, yeah, I get excited. But it's also like, you know, it's, it's funny because it actually it is it is very easy to, to fire a teacher for, for like misconduct, misconduct like that, um, despite the fact that we have an extremely strong union. Like the UFT is one of the strongest unions in a city, hands down. Um, at the same time, you know, there is not much pushback from the union about making it easy to fire teachers for harming a student because we're in the business of helping our students. Right. So the, that raises the question of, well, why is it that, you know, the, the police union, the PBA, why do they make it so hard? to fire a policeman for, for harming somebody, for killing somebody, for strangling somebody, for sexually assaulting somebody. Um, why is it that, you know, you have another powerful union, but they all, they, they, they shield their, their members from accountability and from justice when they harm people, when they don't do their job. Um, I think it's a reflection on like, on policing as itself, as an institution, but also like, you know, the people that run that union and the people, you know, police officers themselves, it's like, it's clearly they're not in the business of protecting the community like if i heard somebody from my union was like you know had had harmed a student i would say okay yeah they, <laughs> let, let them go it's uh, yeah I, I just you know there's there's probably so many other things they could have done to de-escalate and this and that uh, i'm actually calling for de-escalation training for for teachers um to help you know fight against the school to prison pipeline because you know teachers need that but um you hear none of that from like you know Cops unions. It's always about, oh, there's a war on police. We got to protect ourselves. We got to protect our own. You know, we're always a threat. You know, the mayor's not doing enough to protect us. The poor, poor men in blue. Um, yeah, the the poor in- people mm-hmm. who have uh, <laughs> an infinite supply of weapons. You know, they're, mm-hmm. what they really need is protection. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, and it's been shown over and over again that police uh, police departments that have more kind of like military grade weapons more advanced quote-unquote weapons are more likely to use excessive force there Mm. is a direct parallel between those there's a direct line between those two things you know one (laughs) there are a lot of reasons why some like smaller town police departments have not had as many of uh of these instances at least that we that we know about one of them is obviously population density a lot of it is tied up in obviously the racial aspect of this, where it's very often in large city police departments, it's majority white police departments, policing majority minority communities. But also a lot of these small town police departments don't have, 
you know, Uzis. Yeah. <laughs> have like tanks and AR-15s. Helicopters. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I heard the helicopters going around my neighborhood last night. Um, it's, there just is, and the fact that an institution like the NYPD has all of those advanced weapons at their disposal and are still playing the victim here and still saying that they're the ones that need to be protected when they're kind of going up against an unarmed populace of protesters is uh to use an inappropriate word it's silly <laughs> but yeah i'm uh i i think i i've spent the last i've spent the better part of the last week just kind of like wrestling with all of my my feelings about this as as i'm sure a lot of us have but it's uh it's really hard to see a community that you love kind of be subjected to this by the police who are in theory supposed to serve and protect what does policing look like you know if let's say you are elected and um you are able to um, get everything passed that you would like to pass. Um, what does policing look like? Is it? I know you've called explicitly for defunding the police. Like, does that mean just to a much smaller scale with less weapons? Does that mean to zero? Um, does you know? Is the goal to abolish uh, all police or um, or something else? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm a. My horizon is the end of policing. I'm a police abolitionist. Um, how we get them in the near term, we start checking on their budget, demilitarizing them, getting all the, you know, these big guns out, getting rid of the helicopters, getting rid of um, some of the more these weapons of war that they own. And then beyond that, starting to shift over, like, where the funding is going to so that, you know, and also the scope, really reining in the scope of responsibility so that if somebody is overdosing on the street, it's not a police officer that comes to them, it's a social worker. If there's a homeless person on the subway um, that needs you know, someone to, to talk to or that somebody to gotten, you know, help address. Um, it's a it's a social worker that goes to them, not a police officer. Um, if it's a case of domestic violence, um, it's a social worker or someone else can help address it, not a, a cop with a, a gun there. Um, we are drastically reducing the amount of times that um, a, a person with a gun and a badge shows up to um, deal with people in the community. Um, and then eventually hoping up to build a, a robust social safety net where um, we have no longer need for cops. If you think about a neighborhood where cops aren't always patrolling, you think about a wealthy neighborhood where everyone has a home, everyone has a job, and everyone's kids um, go to a really nice school. Um, that tells me that the best deterrence, um, and the, well, the best, the best insurers of public safety are having um, a robust social safety net where people's basic needs are met, and there's a, a strong social fabric. Completely, I agree. completely agree. Yeah, we both do. Um, we said it at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love, you know, when I, the woman who wrote uh, the end of the end of policing, uh, I heard her. She was on Fresh Air a while ago when she was talking about um, when she was talking about this. I really loved exactly as you were saying the increased role that social workers um, would play in this in this sort of future. And I would love to see social workers get the kind of 
benefits and pensions and Mm -hmm. job security and uh, the like that that police officers are afforded. And I would hope that that would also have kind of a double effect of kind of strengthening the social workforce uh, Mm -hmm. in this country, because I think we also have to look at the economic aspect of this, which is that a lot of police, a lot of people who joined the police and the military are doing so for the benefits in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. There are certainly cops who just want to like, or trigger happy and want to carry around a gun. Sure. Absolutely. But a lot of them also like how many jobs out there will give you a pension. Mm -hmm. Like how many jobs out there will give you like, and, and also this is another reason why we can't have healthcare tied tied to to jobs, Mm -hmm. but police have some of the best healthcare out there. So I would love to see all of those benefits afforded to police transferred to social workers. I mean, I know a number of social workers and I think that the, that the pay and the pay that social workers receive considering the volume of work they incur is inexcusable. Uh, And I also think that it's interesting that like that would hopefully shift from like police are majority male social workers are majority female. Mm -hmm. That's just, I mean, that right there would be uh, an amount of, of social safety and, and redistribution for, for people who I think, you know, social workers are not going in it for like the fame and glory. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to see them get some, some more benefits. Yeah. I mean, I think to become a social worker, you have to go to years and years of school. You You need an advanced degree and then you, you get out and you have, um, you know, no way to pay your student loans a lot of the time because your salary is low enough that you can't, you know, make these like hundreds or thousands of dollars a month payments. So there is another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, which is on a lot of New Yorkers' minds, and that is uh, rent. I've seen you call for rent cancellation multiple times. Um, I know that the uh, eviction protection is ending for New York renters on June 30th, and I'm wondering, like, what the fuck is going to happen to people? Because, I mean, are just, (laughs) like, are are thousands and thousands of people going to be evicted at the same time? I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, is it just, are people just going to be uh hoping that you know the housing courts are too slow to process all of these claims um yeah i I don't how do you see that playing out and you know what what would a just government be doing instead a just government would simply say that if we're we are um not going to kick people out of their homes because of this pandemic um it's we would clearly see that people have lost their jobs a lost income um, because of, you know, the widespread shutdowns that we've had to do and make um, allowances for that. I can't believe that, you know, it was so easy on almost day one to say we're going to do a suspension on mortgages. You know, don't worry about yeah. paying your money back to the bank. Um, you know, if you're a property owner, don't worry about paying you know, that money to the bank. Um, and then all this, you know, but for some reason, it's so much harder to do with uh, with rent um, for renters. Uh, we consistently put property owners over renters um, in our state government, our city government. Um, it's a real problem. Uh, it needs to be suspended. 
um, for the duration of the crisis. It's not enough to just say the eviction um, moratorium is there because it piles up. And just like you said, Kate, it's like what happens when the eviction moratorium is lifted, right? Is it going to be tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people maybe that are facing, you know, eviction and about to enter the court system? Like, how's that going to work? Um, and especially like in a district like mine, you know, rapidly gentrifying districts, like there's probably landlords that are like salivating at the opportunity to say, oh, no, you lost your job during COVID. That's so tough. Um, I got to kick you out. I really didn't want to. But, man, um, sorry. Yeah, you have to go, you know, because yeah. they can uh, get out, get someone um, wealthier to, you know, and jack up the rent um, for that that apartment. Um, I'm actually going to go, I'm headed off in a little bit to uh, do a march on uh, Schumer's house with uh, the Housing Justice for All Coalition. That's um, awesome. Yeah, just to, to pressure him to to vote, you know, to, to, to be part of this. Like, we need to cancel the rent and defund the, the NYPD. Um, this is this is insane. I mean, it's it's funny, you know, somebody, uh, I was actually speaking with a bunch of tenants. It's uh, the TAF um, uh, Tenant Association in, in Clinton Hill who are fighting for rent cancellation and um, rent suspension in their, in their, um, their apartment complexes. And, you know, some... Uh, some nodal guy was like, oh, you want people to live for free? You know, he was like, you know, shouting, heckling from the side. And, you know, I, I really wanted to make it clear to him, like, the situation we're in has literally never happened before. <laughs> this, is never, this is this is a once in a century pandemic. We're also in the midst of a depression. Um, we have not, this has literally never happened before in our country's history. And we have to take steps that we have never done before. And we have to imagine that the, some of the solutions will be things that have never been done before. Um, Yes, people will have to live for free until the crisis is over. Um, it's because this is a situation where um, if we try to maintain the status quo, we're going to end up with tens, probably possibly hundreds of thousands of people that are facing homelessness um, in a compounded situation uh, that is even wor- the, the, the alternative is worse. Actually, yeah. my friend is a my friend's a housing lawyer called and yelled at me for not understanding the domino effects. You can't just promise, you know, people free housing like this. And I'm like, well, the the, the alternative is like tens, hundreds of thousand people are homeless, that is, that is a worse, worse outcome. There are, there are no easy solutions to this. And I'll, and I'll, I'll be out, out straight about that. There's like, someone's going to hurt, but if you cancel rent and cancel um, mortgages and cancel like utility payments for the crisis, it's really the only people that hurt are the banks. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Honestly, I love to hurt banks. Um, <laughs> I Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry for a bad person. Are huge. We're huge on hurting banks. Yeah. Um, uh, no. And it's, you know, New York is the most unequal state in mm-hmm. in America. Um, we have in New York State alone, we have like ninety two billionaires and one hundred and twelve. One hundred and twelve. Okay, maybe I was looking. I might have been looking at the twenty eighteen numbers, but so many one hundred and twelve billionaires. Um, a baker's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then you have people who can't pay their rent. You have a a homelessness crisis. You have, in the most basic reforms, cannot be passed because so many people in the state legislature and above are in the pocket of real estate, mm-hmm. uh, corporate real estate in this in this city in in this state and. You know, a great example of that is the Pied a tax, yeah. which is very popular at the state level. Um, what is that again? So the Pied a tax is basically that there are uh, many 
super wealthy people from all over the world who buy second, third, fifth homes in, in New York and they don't live in them. And basically it's just that if it's not your primary residence, you would have to pay an additional tax. It's very popular. It is overwhelmingly popular among New Yorkers and it never even gets, it never gets an inch in the state legislature because so many people, so many of our our elected officials uh, at the state level are directly in the pocket of corporate real estate. Um, What is the name of the speaker of the house? Carl Hastie. Yeah. Carl Hastie's college roommate is a big time, um, corporate real estate wow. magnate. That uh, sucks. So, yeah, that's um that is hot gossip I learned when I joined the Housing Justice for All Coalition. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, my college roommate was just really an modest mouse. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um my college roommate was a very sweet horse girl. She was really nice. That's um, a, very sweet. That's a lot of that's a lot of horse girl energy in one. <laughs> I know that's true. I have really long hair. It was a lot. It was. Yeah. We get it. Both a couple of tall women with long hair. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think we need more people at all levels of government who are not taking corporate PAC money, who are not taking corporate real estate money. Yeah. Um, because you know you have housing affects absolutely everything. Yeah. It affects education. It affects policing. It affects kind of the entire social fabric of our of our country is is wrapped up in housing, and it and it is also because a long time ago America decided that home ownership was going to be kind of like the cornerstone of whether or not of entrance to like middle-class American life. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that thing. I mean, obviously things were going to be explosive and tenuous now anyways, but it also, I think a lot of this anger is like a culmination of all things of people being unemployed, people experiencing homelessness, people not being able to pay their rent and just having completely ineffectual or non-existent leadership from the top down. I mean, it's really scary times. And here we are on June 1st again, like it's, you know, rents to again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I am so glad that there are uh, good people like you uh, running for office. You, you're a democratic socialist, which I love. I love people who are willing to run as open socialists. None of this, like, you know, we love the progressives that have come on their show too, but it is <laughs> really awesome to get to interview people who are um, in the DSA, proud about it. Um, for folks who would like to help with your campaign or get involved in some way, how can they do that? Um, awesome. Uh, you can go to the website. It's jabariforstatesenate.com. Uh, best thing you can do right now is help us phone bank. If you've never done it before, we make it super easy. Um, Julia's done it. Uh, and um, uh, it's, you know, we have training. There's a script for you to follow. You don't even use your own phone. And we're about three weeks to the election right now. So we're just trying to reach as many voters as possible. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, if you can, uh, 
donate, make some calls. Uh, definitely vote by mail if you can on June 23rd, which is the New York primary. Jabari, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it and wish you the very best of luck with your campaign. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you so much, Jabari. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.